G'day, Magpie Army, and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast, which you wouldn't believe it actually has another new name. This will be the last one, I promise you. I'm Adam McNichol, Head of Digital Content here at Collingwood, and I'm joined firstly by Stephen Riley, GM of Media and PR. Riles, welcome. Hello, mate. Hello, Wags. Hello, S. You beat you beat McNichol to the punch there. Oh, apologies, apologies. So we've we've destroyed our our run sheet, our our meticulous run sheet already. We've <laughs> lost the plot. Massive clanger too. Not only has you have you gone and introduced someone, but you've called him Wags. So I'm going to do a much better job of this. Also in the studio is Marcus Wagner, our performance and strategy manager. Vargs, welcome. Fantastic pronunciation there. I do I do like Rolls still going with Wags though. It's I'll I'll take either or, but. But thank you, mate. It's good to be back. And, yeah, great to have a, a locked away name and, uh, and a massive improvement. So thanks to uh, the Pies supporters who voted on that one and, and got Football Fountain out, which is a fantastic result. And Riles, again, another, another astute listener provided the gold. Yes, uh, one of, our, one of the, the, the thousands that tune into us. Uh, a young football fan by the name of Michael Daffy came up with this name and uh, we thank him for it and uh, hope that uh, we do it justice. So, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Inside Swoop and you will be listening to The Inside Swoop for the rest of this season. I'm sure you're very much reassured and relieved about that. Now, to more important matters, gentlemen, you want to talk about the footy and perhaps the lack of kicking in or how the football is relating to the way the game is being played. Riles, take us away on this one. Well, there seems to be some consternation about the footballs that are used in a game, that, uh, that they're perhaps not kicked in enough. And by kicked in, we mean softened by uh, sort of some – our property steward often softens them pre-match or for training so that they're, they're, um, they're not as hard and stiff uh, and, and harder to use. Um, I actually know that Channel 7, uh, our uh, – uh, one of our fabulous broadcast rights partners, um, they are doing a segment on this uh, on the on our match tomorrow night against the Swans about um, whether the balls are uh, particularly at night are difficult to to uh, or more difficult to use than they should be, and whether in fact uh, wags, and I'm sticking with wags because I like annoying you, but um, uh, annoy me, Riles, at all. W- whether they've actually got lacquer on them compounding the issue of them being stiff and not kicked in enough, but they've got lacquer on them to protect the logo on the ball, the sponsor's logo on the ball. Therefore, at night when it's dewy or, or it is in fact wet, that you've got the, an added slipperiness to them. Um, so this is, I think this is a, a high priority issue. Uh, we've got to look after our players on this one. And uh, Wags, uh, can you enlighten us? It's a, it's a very good topic, I believe. The Prez threw this out there as well a bit last week, but... I think that's, there's multiple layers to this, I think, Riles. You look at, usually we provide six balls for a game, um, one, three for each end behind the goals or, or a couple for each end and uh, one for the centre and one for the emergency umpire and, um, and you're usually allowed to kick those in, uh, usually during your captain's run or the day before, really lightly, just to, I guess, hit the, uh, that firmness out of, the, the share, out of what a uh, new Sharon feels like. With this new setup we've got this year, you'll see when you're watching the broadcast, there are footies everywhere. You'll see footies scattered around the fences, way more behind the goals. That's because there's no crowds and uh, if a ball goes into the stands, they need to be able to pick up and, and go again. So we now provide 16 footies. None of them are kicked in 
Um, so even in, throughout a game, you could be uh, 15 minutes into the first quarter using the same footy and it goes into the crowd. You mm. pick up and you've got a brand new football to kick in again. And so mm. pretty much the whole game you're working with a, a brand new footy and they are different. They are more difficult to kick, more difficult to handle just purely for the fact they're, they're brand new. Um, they've got no scuffing on them. They're not as as well shaped as, as a nicely kicked in footy. Some of the balls we use at training, say second or third training session in, if it hasn't been wet, are just in absolutely ripping condition and, and mm. the ball does fizz around a bit more. So I think there's something to the ability to kick balls in. It's, it's a bit like cricket where they have a box of balls, match balls, based on what over or what, what uh, time of the game it is. I think why aren't we using balls two or three weeks in a row? Like what's the, what's the problem with that? If they're actually a better product, why can't we yeah. just – roll out, say, a month worth of match balls if they're, like, say, if it's not wet or, or if it's not too, too dewy or whatnot, you, you're kicking balls over a period of time and I reckon you'll see, see an increase there. Um, I think the other part to this is what we touched on in our first episode was the amount of night footy now being played. Mm. Um, and this, this winter's a bit different because we're playing much more night football, say, at the MCG in the middle of winter where we don't usually do that. So I think that, that adds another layer with the... 16 footies being used around the ground, but I think it's a good research project, Riles, the uh, lacquer on the Sharon. I think early days when you, you look at the sponsors on the, on the footies, they're, they're peeling off halfway through the third quarter, so clearly that wasn't acceptable from, from the money makers. So mm. something, I reckon, was done there to, to keep the, so, the logos looking nice and shiny and it would be interesting to speak to Sharon and hopefully Channel 7 delve into that tomorrow night. Can you tell me, are you saying to me that 16 footballs after every game, suddenly become training balls that they, they cannot be used again. Pretty much. Even if they're not not used. Correct. Mate, that's extraordinary. 16 balls a game. Yep. And even Home the great man Disco, uh, the Collingwood property steward, for those who are unaware, um, uh, does the kicking in or, and, and often softens the balls uh, for Beautiful training. Beautiful kick, Disco. Magnificent kick of the football. Most property <laughs> stewards are, but he's a magnificent kick of the football, Disco. <laughs> Uh, yes, so it, 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 we having him kick in sixteen footies or getting that is probably a stretch given the the uh, skeleton crew where we're operating with at the moment. But so the sixteen every week go basically become training balls after that. Yep. Well, we got sometimes they they're us to the opposition if they've got a milestone uh, or a first game. We always look after mm. each other with with footies there. Some clubs use it as a as a milestone or or a an award, so awarding the game ball um, to the best player. So we often speak to the opposition about exchanging the – if you're the home team, making sure they get as many balls as they need. Sometimes the broadcasters need them. So they do go places. They go to charity um, and things like that as well. So usually the match balls get snapped up pretty quickly, hence why you need new ones every home game. But but 16. Yeah, not 16, right? Uh, I think we can do that better. Uh, yeah, 16 at, but, what, $125 yeah. a pop or something? Yeah. It's uh, – so what, a little bit of coin. What do you think about changing the share in itself, Riles? That's a very hot topic. Uh, is this the idea of making it a bit more like an NFL ball or putting dimples on it? Um, at the risk of disagreeing with uh, the president on this. Uh, this could be dangerous. Yeah. This could be the last podcast we have. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, if you don't hear from me ever again, <laughs> you'll know why. Um, uh, I don't see the need. I, I, I think if the ball is kicked in, it's supple. Um, and it, it can be gripped, then uh, I think it has its own qualities that we that we uh, should celebrate. 
I mean, it does allow – if you can kick a ball properly, you kick it, you know, you get great distance but precision with it as well. You make it too much like a – I think if, if it's too rubbery, for instance, or it's got dimples on it, I think the possibility of the torp, not that we see a lot of them anymore, but even the ball sticking on the boot just a little bit for, for a microsecond more than it should um, might, might actually detract from the kicking rather than making it more accurate or better. I think, um, I think Malcolm Blight made a good point when they were talking about the sharing maybe this week or, or previous weeks is just just get a rougher coating on the outside. It doesn't have to, like, mm. whatever they do to coat the sharing just doesn't have to be a gloss. Just mm. give it a bit of roughness because the amount of money we spend on Grippo, we're blowing up the soft cap. So <laughs> uh, it's like you, players come off the ground on a, on a wet night if they're not handling it right. The, the thing we hear more on the bench is, where's the Grippo? Where's the Grippo? So yeah. Yeah. why don't you just change the footy a little bit, like at least the coating to make it a bit more rough rather than glossy. And that just might be the subtle shift you need to make or just kick the balls in because after, as we said, after a few weeks, they get a bit of natural roughness on them and yeah. they are very easy to handle. So yeah. even in the warm-up, if we're using our training balls, you'll see on a wet night, the, the guys are kicking it well, they're marking it well, and then they jump in, get a brand new share and it's a different ball game. So mm. pardon the pun. That was a seriously good pun there. I, I have a... a, a a small anecdote that relates to, to Malcolm Blight about kicking. He, when can, we, he can we come up with a segment for this each week, like, a, <laughs> like an anecdote from Riley? What, what, well, another, another one for the fans. What he, it, it was it, um, the, the Geelong players of, the, of his time will vouch for this, that he used to have them do, doing talk practice uh, after sessions and they used to say, well, the kick was re- almost redundant then. You know, you didn't see it very often. He said, but one day, one day you'll have to win the game from 65 metres and you're going to need a kick to do it. And so you'd be prepared for that moment. And so he insisted on torp training. And, of course, he famously won a game for North Melbourne, um, kicking the ball. It depends on whether, whether you're there or not. Some people say, you know, 150 metres, or so, anywhere from 150 to about 75. But, but um, he could certainly kick the ball. That's a good question. But who is the last person to kick a, a goal with a torp from outside 50? Jaden uh, Stevenson. We thought Steve did, but did anyone else kick one last year? After Steve, I think Steve could be the last one. Yeah, I, I back. I reckon Jeremy McGovern, Jeremy McGovern might have a torp in him. I know he doesn't kick it all that often, but I reckon he would have practiced the torp and would pull it out when the when the time came. I reckon. Very good, gentlemen. Now, I don't think dew is going to be such a factor in the coming weeks when we head off to our new life in the Western Australian hub. I think we're going there for three rounds. Certainly we're kicking off with a Friday night game in round seven against Geelong at Optus Stadium. What a unique experience this is going to be. Riles, can you just start by filling in our fans who haven't seen this news exactly how this is going to work? Okay, so we're going to uh, fly to Perth um, on the 11th. Yep, so the day after the Brisbane game, so we'll play at the G Friday night and... Be all packed, ready to go to get to Perth on Saturday to make sure we're activating that 14-day quarantine period as, as quickly as possible. Sorry, carry on, Riles. I just no, no, stood no, on no. your toes there. Uh, uh, edifying, Marcus. But uh, well, so And we, we will then play Geelong. We'll go over with Geelong, um, play them while we were both in quarantine uh, and then come out of quarantine at the end of that period, that two-week quarantine play, one of West Coast or Fremantle and then the other the following week and play three games essentially in, in a three-week period and then come out again. And um, it's, it's 
it'll be different to the experience of the, the teams from the West and the teams from South Australia who are in Queensland at the moment in hubs because they're not in quarantine. Uh, our first two weeks over there, and Wags, you might be able to talk a little bit more about the sorts of facilities and things that might need to be available to us. We're in lockdown, we're in quarantine and therefore not able to, in downtime for instance, leave the compound or wherever it is we're going to stay and jump in a car and go for a drive down to Margaret River or, or, or go and have a round of golf. It's certainly not for the first two weeks. Um, have you got any more to, information to shed on, on where we're actually going to stay, Wax? No, we're working through that with the AFL. Obviously, it all happened pretty quickly yesterday, a little too quickly. I think the media got it before the club, which was an interesting thing in itself. But, um, yeah, you're right. Well, So we'll be in quarantine for two weeks, so much more stricter restrictions. Mm. Um, most likely we'll be limited to a hotel uh, while we're not training. And, again, training will most likely be at Optus Stadium or a quarantined venue where we literally get a bus there, do our training and come back straight back to the hotel where we're in quarantine. Uh, we'll be shut off from everyone else in that space. So whilst we're in the hotel or wherever we're put, We'll be free to roam around a little bit, but we won't be able to leave. Obviously, there's really strict restrictions in WA and they'll be right onto that because obviously they've got no cases and, and unfortunately, Victoria's sky high at the moment. So it'll be, as you spot on, it'll be pretty much hotel and training and games mm. for that first two-week period. So how we manage that, we'll obviously speak speak a lot with our players. We, we have already um, before... The, we got back to the club for the start of the season. We, we had already spoken to all our players about what a hot hub might look like when, when that looked like it was going to venture out, eventuate early on. So we've already collected some really good information from our players on how to best set up the hub, uh, which is great. Um, and we'll just revisit re, uh, that, obviously, after Friday night. Clearly, we're not really looking at it at all until we get past the Giants game, spend mm. a bit more time on it over the weekend. And and really hammer home uh, what we're going to do probably early next week before we then turn our focus to Essendon. So um, the good thing about it, hopefully, is after that 14-day quarantine period is over, we'll be kind of... The restrictions will be eased on us and we'll go back to, I guess, the, the restrictions we're currently living here in Melbourne where we might be able to get out a bit more. Um, and for those boys who've got family in WA, they'll be able to catch up with their families for short periods and, and whatnot. So hopefully... The restrictions lift after that 14 days and we, and it's probably good timing because after 14 days I think we'll be going a bit stir-crazy and a bit mm. nuts. So that last week will be, it'll be light at the end of the tunnel um, to get us out and about for that, for that last week, prepping up for whether it's Fremantle or West Coast. Um, and then as soon as that game's over, we'll, we'll jump on the plane mm. and get home. So I've got a question for you. So we're going to go over and be in quarantine for two weeks because there's, you know, there's a, a risk... Uh, of, of leaving Victoria and, and, and going to WA and, and WA see it as a, as a health risk for them. So they're prepared to let us be there for two weeks in quarantine but not let us fly in and fly out. Therefore, And we would be there f on those terms, fly in, fly out terms, for about 12 hours. So it seems to me the risk is smaller if we're there for a shorter amount of time. If we're there for 12 hours, fly in on a quarantine flight, charter flight, which is what we're taking to Sydney tomorrow. Get off the, that, that quarantine charter flight, hop onto a quarantine bus, drive to a hotel where we've got a quarantine floor and then go from that quarantine floor into a quarantine bus again to the stadium, play, hop back on the bus, go back to the airport and fly out again. That seems to me a, 
uh, like a, a lower risk than – well, uh, uh, we're taking all of our players, so the entire list is going, and a staff around them, so we're talking potentially 80, a party of 80, something like that, say 70 to 80 people, yeah. for two weeks. Three weeks. Well, three weeks yes. in total, but by the third week, yeah. presumably we're, we're – Okay, yep. you know, the, uh, uh, um, by WA standards. So, I, I'm I'm a little befuddled as to the the logic in all of that. Well, this is the WA Premier doing his finest work, Riles, because that probably would have been a possibility if we were just playing Geelong. Mm. So we'd fly in, play Geelong, fly out, because they are not a Western Australian team. The what the Premier has said, for you to play a Western Australian team in WA, you have to clear 14 days quarantine. That's why we are there. And that's how the fixture is going to continue without a buy. Um, if it was just Geelong, yep, no doubt we'd be able to probably land, get exceptions to land, mm. play and fly out. But because that little – that was a big part of that presser. I was – when he was talking about crowds and, and getting the game going, as soon as he said Victorian teams couldn't play a WA team unless 14 days quarantine, that just equaled hub. And yeah. we, knew that knew, we knew it was coming. Um, so he's, he's done beautifully there, the Premier, and I'm sure the West Coast and Frio are uh, probably initially were anti what, what had happened, but now they're mm. going to be very uh, very happy with him because their odds are they're going to be playing seven weeks straight in Perth. Uh, from what we hear is for our last week, we'll, we'll potentially have to jump out of our quarantine space and, and go find another, another place to, to live for the last week because there'll be two more Victorian teams coming into that quarantine hotel. Mm. So... Um, which might be a good change of scenery anyway, so probably a positive for us um, and we'll probably find somewhere where the guys can get out a bit more and enjoy themselves. So it's probably a good thing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the Premier's done a, done a beautiful job there and, and no doubt he's, he's positioned himself perfectly with the, with the crowd situation as well, mm -hmm. which um, I'm really excited about because living in WA for, for a long period of time, nine years from when I was 12 to 21, um, there are a lot of Collingwood supporters in WA and fantastic Collingwood supporters. And a lot of the time we can't get into games over there because of season ticket holders. Mm. There's really limited availability for seats for Collingwood people in WA. So what this Collingwood Geelong game is going to provide, and I think a lot of people in WA who don't support West Coast and Freo will love this because it is horrible going to a game <laughs> when you're the opposition team at Optus Stadium. Horrible. Are and these guys have got to go and, and support either Collingwood or Geelong or just go to a neutral game, which I think they'll love, so I reckon they'll fill out that Friday night with 30,000 people because there's a lot of expats. There'll be 10,000 Collingwood supporters there, probably five or 10,000 Geelong supporters and, and a lot of ex-Victorians who just want to go to a game that does not involve West Coast or Frio, which will be like bliss for them over there. Are they allowed to? If we're in quarantine and we've got to be kept... Don't start, Riles. ...kept apart from... The, the locals, are they going to allow crowds in? It would be fascinating. Oh, I don't know. I, have, we heard, have we had confirmation that they're going to allow Geelong what? and Collingwood that's fans not, into the stadium? That's not my territory. I just worry about getting the game going. But oh, I did picture that. So a Victorian in quarantine has a set shot, kicks it into the crowd. What does the crowd do with the footy? So I think for that first one, because it's maybe Victorian people, they might have the 30,000 up the top. That might be the only way to avoid that. But then... I know Sidey gets a Joe the Goose waltzes into the goal square, he's going to kick a barrel into the top tier, so it's going to be hard to avoid. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting one that um, we're fundamentally in quarantine, but there's going to be a crowd. So yeah, good, uh, good question, Riles. Well, I, I hope it's the case. I hope we get a crowd too, because I, I, I know it'll that be like a Collingwood home game. I can't we, wait. 
Well, I know that when we – at Subiaco, which we no longer play at, but in the day when it hosted about 50,000, high 40s? Nah, it was more mid-30s, Subi. Was it? Once they, once they fully seeded it. Seemed it. Like yep. a, yeah, that they go – that um, our, our friends at West Coast – would very generously give us 400 tickets, I think it was. And so uh, the masses, the Collingwood masses in the, in, in the West uh, couldn't get to see us. It was a really tough, it was a, it was a much sought after ticket if you're a Collingwood fan to come and see us play over there. Um, and I'm not sure that we get a whole lot more now no, uh, when Optus, you know, is what, 50, 55? 60, even 60, I think, Optus. Is it? I am a bit of a... Stadium nerd, so that might be a topic a bit later on. But yeah, sixty thousand on the dot for stadiums, but, uh. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I mean, my my family are all mad Collingwood, yep. living in Perth, so they're, I think they're the excited ones about this whole process. I know all the West Australian Pies supporters will be excited, as will the Geelong supporters. So this is a rare occurrence; they get to mm. watch three games of footy. Well, if they can get tickets to the Dockers and West Coast games, they'll no doubt be banging down my door. But um, three games in a row for those supporters is is a is a positive out of this whole situation. Mm. Gentlemen, you spoke before about the WA Premier positioning himself beautifully. Do you get the feeling he's positioning himself beautifully for a tilted hosting the grand final? No doubt. <laughs> that would have been at yes. the top of the list, but that's it. It's a thumping yes. It's <laughs> absolutely what they're doing. And I think New South Wales are now jumping on as well. I think ANZ are going to throw their hat in the ring as well with 80,000. So a bit of pressure on the uh, the MCG roles, but that's, uh, again, that's more your territory than mine. We'll, we'll play we'll play wherever they put us, as they say, Riles. We'll that's it. take yeah. it one week at a time. Anywhere, anytime. <laughs> We're an anywhere, anytime team. Exactly. But, but there is, to my mind, there is merit. Uh, in if if the MCG is not capable of hosting it you know, with crowds or even uh, uh, anything like a capacity crowd, let's say it was twenty five thousand. I mean, I think it'll be an underwhelming experience, frankly, to to host the grand final in front of twenty five thousand people, which in a stadium that's a quarter full. If um, I know there are agreements, and and again, our our president has spoken on this matter just recently, saying, well, the WA want it, they can buy it, but. That says to me at least there is the possibility. And to have a full stadium in Perth, a, a football town that loves the game, passionate about it, um, I think it would be a great spectacle and would get a look at what it's like. The, the possibility of it moving. Now, I know that that's highly unlikely for, what is it, 40 years that, that a deal was done a couple of years ago to secure the grand final at the Melbourne Cricket Ground for the, until 2040 or 2050 2050, or yeah. It's yeah. A so, um, alarming deal. Well, yeah, the quid pro quo and all of that would be an interesting story in itself. But, um, um, but this is an op- obviously this is a, an opportunity um, to have a look at it elsewhere and to reward a football state um, and at a fabulous stadium that would present it really well. It's a, it, it, that's the thing. It's a magnificent stadium. Um, surface is great. Facilities are great. Some of the things they can do there, particularly if it's say like a Twilight Grand Final, they, some of the lighting they can do there is amazing. There's, it's mm. set up to host a big event like that. And I just look at the, the feature event of your year has to be played in front of a full stadium, whatever mm. capacity that is. To have empty seats at your showcase event is just not going to look right. It's not going to feel right. And... We're lucky we play in big games regularly. Um, even 40,000 MCG doesn't no. feel right at all. The atmosphere is not great at all. I think 
I've said this before, it's the qualifying final of 2018 um, is still the loudest crowd I've ever heard. And that's 60,000 at Optus versus 100,000 at the MCG. The, the sound that that make, ground makes is ridiculous. The, mm. When we were warming up down the West Coast end, so we're getting some strong feedback from the West Coast cheer squad as we tend to do. But um, I remember when West Coast ran out, your ears started like what's what do you say like humming or you couldn't actually hear right because it was so loud yeah um the guys in the coach's box said the coach's box started shaking when jetta kicked the goal in the last quarter and it's just it's an unbelievable experience an unbelievable advantage for the home team but to say it's a neutral grand final there and you get thirty thousand odd supporters from each team um even if you get some corporates it's going to be an amazing event but Mm. Your, your showcase event has to be at full stadium, I, in, in my opinion, and I'm probably going to lose my job for saying that. But um, <laughs> I think that's just what has to what well, has to happen. What about the 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 added potential benefit, or at least um, the exploration of the idea of a twilight or night grand final back here in the east? If it's in mid afternoon in Perth, it's on here in twilight. Begins in twilight, finishes in darkness over here. Just the time slot that the actual spectacle will be played in the day over there, but but we'd get a, a sense of what it's like to wait for the grand all day for the grand final to start. And um, what about, uh, on another tangent, the surface was criticised last year. Now it's a new stadium and it takes time, as we know, with for for um, surfaces to bed down and mature and and soften. Um, there was a lot of criticism of the hardness of Optus last year. Uh, a lot of people think that that's where Buddy hurt his bruised his heel which cost him half a half a season and the feedback from players was that it was tough to be it, it, it was punishing on the legs um uh playing a lot of matches there we'll play three but if you've got a streak of six or seven um i wonder whether that's you know kevin white for us our high performance manager is going to look at that and factor in uh, any sort of added recovery or, or adapting our program to account for, if, if in fact it is still as as tough or as hard and, uh, and uh, uh, as it was last year. It's a, it's a fast deck. I think um, we're first up, so we, we won't know until we land. Uh, they wouldn't have had a game there for a long time, so it won't be in better nick than, than yeah. when we get on there on Friday night whenever the time comes versus Geelong. The shortened games will definitely buffer that roles, mm. I think. Less game time. Um, we never had any issues playing on the on that ground. Um, again, in uh, 2018, we came back on a on a six day break and beat the Giants in a semi. So we we got no no issues. We play well at that ground. Yeah. Um, but no doubt, Kevy will assess as he does every week mm. e each player on their merit. But I don't think the ground's going to impact us particularly with the shortened quarters. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's exciting to get over there. I think it's it's good for us to to knock over three games and then come back to Victoria. Like in saying that we're looking like looking forward to getting over there. We're also looking forward to Victoria getting their act together and getting restrictions lifted so we can get the Pies fans back at back at the MCG because that's clearly our, our number one and most desired result. But and the way things are going, I think we'll embrace playing in front of a crowd over there. It'll be a great experience. And then we'll come back to a, a very quiet MCG three weeks later, which is going to be weird in itself because we'll probably condition ourselves to to getting playing in front of a crowd again, getting used mm. to the communication that's required to do that, and will probably enhance how we communicate when we get back to the, the quiet old MCG. And and still, Geelong will not have hosted Collingwood at GMHBA Stadium yeah, for a very a, very long time. Yeah, that's not a bad result, <laughs> uh, avoiding GMHBA. Although we have played multiple practice games down there, and we yeah. did play a 
a Marsh Series game down there a few years back and we kicked 10 goals in the third quarter and blew them away. So yep. ground doesn't hold any fears for us, Riles. Mason so. Cox, I think, made his pull the jumper on for the first time in a JLT game match down there, I reckon. Or it might have been a practice match even. Yeah. But um, Mason's a little-known trivia f- fact for fans out there, Collingwood, Collingwood tragics out there. Very good, boys. Now, uh, Riles and Vargs, that brings us to the end of our official rundown that we've got that we were that you guys were uh, trashing off the top. And uh, just wondering if, if you've got any last thoughts ahead of Friday night's humongous game against the Giants at Giants Stadium. Can't wait, Adam. Um, obviously got recent history against the Giants, uh, prelim final was a heartbreaker, but we won't look too far back at that. Uh, last time we got them up at Giants Stadium, they were coming off a few bad losses and put eight goals on us in the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, we'll be definitely realigning ourselves to a fast start. It's been a feature of our, our season so far. Uh, the boys are really looking forward to actually getting away, uh, travelling on the day of the game. So we'll fly out just before lunchtime tomorrow. Um, oh, sorry, on Friday. And... Uh, Land, get to the hotel about one. Guys can have a bit of a relax and then we'll head to the ground about six o'clock. So, yeah, it's a new travel um, arrangement for us, but we, we travel well. We love travelling, getting away as a group. Um, yeah, can't wait to get up there and, and see a full-strength Giants uh, come at us. But, yeah, the, we're happy with the form we're in. Um, we're under no illusions that they'll come at us hard and hopefully we can buffer that and, and come right back at them. But it's going to be an exciting game. Can't wait. Yeah, likewise, it'll be uh, – we come away with a win. Uh, well, we'll be a four-and-a-half zip. Um, that's a good start in a 17-round season. That's a good start in any season, but but in a shortened season, I think that, um, you know, might allow us to um, manage the rest of the campaign in a way that, uh, you know, is on our terms rather than some others might have to be uh, embracing the challenge, a, a different challenge. All right, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You've been listening to the Inside Swoop, and the Inside Swoop, it shall remain for the rest of the season. Thank you for listening. Just remember, you can subscribe, you can like us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on any other podcasting service you can find around. We're on the lot of them. Well, I think we are. Thank you to the Wizard for uh, pushing the buttons and organising this schmozzle. Thank you, Riles and Vargs, for being on the show. That's been, well, it's the fourth episode of our podcast, but the first episode of the Inside Swoop. Go Pies against the Giants. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>